Balls. He's a libertarian in chief. This is the libertarian chief chat. Just a libertarian chit chat with the chief. Oh, hey, I'm Kevin. I'm here too. All right. Welcome to Chief Chats with Kevin Hobby and Todd Hagopian. I'm Kevin Hobby. And I am Todd Hagopian. And we have one of our biggest guests yet, former Republican Congressman Joe Walsh. Joe, want to introduce yourself? Uh, Kevin and Todd, good to be with you. I'm not a big guest. I'm just a former one-term congressman. Big deal. It's awesome to be with you both, though, guys. I mean that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, we were talking earlier, um, and we were wondering just how you got into, how, what led you to be a congressman to begin with, kind of what was your story, and how did you get into politics? Well, like, uh, that was back in 2010, like a lot of Republicans back then, uh, I was pissed off about the debt, uh, the bankrupting of future generations, I was pissed off at Republicans and Democrats, so I ran for Congress in 2010, uh, barely won. Uh, I was part of that Tea Party class that put the Republicans in control of the House. Um, it was a pretty heady time to be there. I realized uh, being in Congress after about a day that the Republicans were no fucking better than the Democrats were when it came to government spending. But I ran primarily because of the debt and the size of government. Yeah, that's really interesting. And and the fans of the show know that Kevin comes from the left. I come from the right. And I always say there were basically two times in my life that I was really proud of the Republican Party. And that was in 94. And that was during the Tea Party. Um, and then and then quickly disintegrated, you know, after yeah. that. So talk a little bit about your time in Congress and what you learned about about how that all works. And again, I, I wasn't some young kid. I'm older than you two, I think. I'm an old white guy. When I went to Congress, there were a lot of younger Republicans than me, and they were all starstruck by Washington. Uh, look, the Tea Party movement carried me across the finish line. I was the only Republican in that class who didn't get any support from the Republican Party because I yelled at the Republican Party every bit as much as I did the Democrats. So because I was an older guy, uh, I got to Washington. I didn't want to like cozy up with lobbyists and do all that other shit that everybody else wants to do because you guys know, man, it's a big deal when you're a member of Congress. You feel like you're, you're hot stuff. I, I, I went there to do stuff and I went there to limit the size of government. And again, it's what I told you a minute ago, I realized pretty quickly that the Republicans weren't at all serious about cutting the growth of government, cutting government spending. So my two years there were really a battle with the Republican establishment as well as the Obama administration. Sure. And then and then 2012 came and um, and and that election didn't go your way. The um, from there, what was the path from there to now? I believe you're you're considering yourself an independent. Is that right? Yeah, I, I've been, look, I, I've, I've been a Republican my whole life. I, I left the Republican Party about a year ago, but really I've been kind of a small L libertarian, free market, conservative most of my life. I believe in freedom, individual responsibility, and a small limited government. Uh, the two years I was in Washington, I became pretty outspoken, probably one of the more well-known 
uh, faces in that class. I left Congress. I found myself on the radio within a year. And then I found myself on the radio around the country within another year. And I was on a pretty good career path to be a big, you know, conservative talker. I was going to be the next Rush Limbaugh, even though Rush Limbaugh is a bullshitting liar. I was going to be the next big conservative talk radio guy. And then Trump happened and everything changed. Yeah. And that's primarily because you couldn't swallow the pill and, and support him on talk radio or what happened. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, and you guys can probably guess this. Look, I voted for Trump in 2016. Uh, I didn't love him. I didn't like him. He wasn't Hillary. Uh, I figured Donald Trump is a goof. He'll hire a couple good people, and maybe a couple good things might happen. I was guilty, though, guys, of not paying attention to Trump in that campaign. Uh, and that's bad on me, because I'm, I'm on the radio all over the country but I really didn't pay attention to this guy. I didn't realize what a horrible human being he was and what an authoritarian he is. Um, I was under pressure from my syndicator. All of the talk radio guys were. Once Trump won, that we had to say every single day, Donald Trump walks on water. I couldn't do that. So when Trump won, I, I would criticize him. He blocked me on Twitter back in 2016. Um, and I, I couldn't get with the program because the more I paid attention to him, I realized he lies every time he opens his mouth. I, I can't support my government lying to me like that. And he is an authoritarian. He's, he's, I, I believe he is what our founding fathers feared. He's a king. So I turned yeah. on Trump and then my whole career crashed. Yeah. And that was that was in the 1718 time frame. <clears throat> yeah, that was in 1718. And the final, final straw for me were I went on the radio and I said, that's it. I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure that son of a bitch doesn't win again. It was the summer of 2018 Helsinki, the Helsinki summit, where Donald Trump stood in front of the world and said, I'm with Putin, not my own people. Um, that was the final straw for me. So once I became like a never Trumper in the conservative media world, uh, I began to lose markets and advertisers and all the rest. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's a tough right spot. Around to be. Then, or, go ahead, Kevin. I was just saying that's a tough spot to be in where you're trying to follow your conscience, but at, at the expense of your own career. I really applaud you for doing that. Well, it, Kevin, I appreciate it. Uh, it, it I didn't make millions, and uh, but but it, to me, it's the opposite of what we see today. We've got Hannity and all of these others, and I know a lot of these guys. They they know Trump's bad, but but like so many of my former colleagues in Congress who know Trump is bad, all they care about is ratings and getting reelected. That's the name of the game. Well, and it is crazy. I mean, you see. You see TV personality after TV personality, congressman after congressman, you know, they take a stand against Trump. King Trump does one, you know, tweet, all of a sudden everyone rains down on them and they've got a primary opponent or they get fired from Fox and it's just pretty crazy. Yes, that's what you have to put up with. Yeah. Right. So what, 
what um, got it in your mind to run for president? This is always my favorite question. We we talked to a lot of libertarian, you know, presidential candidates, but um, but running for the big show against an incumbent when an incumbent hasn't even, you know, lost a general election in 30 years. You know, what, what how did that decision get made? It was the craziest thing I've ever done running for president. <laughs> I, I, I spent all of 2019, remember I'm still a Republican then. I, yeah. I, I spent all of 2019 pleading with my Republican party to challenge Trump. Because what I found guys, Kevin and Todd was, once I was outspoken and public against Trump, I'd hear privately from a lot of my former colleagues in Congress who said to me privately, Joe, I agree with everything you're saying, uh, but they wouldn't say it publicly. So I spent all of 29 pleading with some Republican to primary him because I knew they all knew he was unfit. And I thought it was important for a Republican to make that statement. I remember writing an op-ed in the New York Times uh, making the case and pleading with Kasich or Romney or one of these guys Nobody did it. So I finally said, the hell with it. I'm going to do it, knowing it was a hugely uphill fight. Yeah. Yeah. How was it? What it was, was it a like? hugely uphill fight. <laughs> 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 uh, you know what? Uh, it was, look, it was fascinating and it was ugly. And I knew the minute I did it, I was going to lose my radio show. I was going to get death threats every day. I was going to lose my entire following because most of the following I had built up was conservative. Uh, and most of those people became Trump supporters. The minute I publicly announced against Trump, I mean, that was it. Um, and then I realized about two months into the primary uh, when the Republican Party kept base, uh, canceling primaries. They ended up canceling 22. It's unfucking believable when you think about it. They canceled elections, primary elections in 22 states. So once I saw the party make it impossible, and, and truthfully, I ran against, I, I ran into the cult. Uh, I ran into Trump supporters and, and who just told me face to face, Donald Trump walks on water, he never lies. I realized once yeah. I saw that every day, I just didn't have a prayer. Right. Yeah, and I think it was unbelievable to me how quietly they canceled all those primaries. Yeah. Because uh, the three guys on this show, like we saw it happen, right? But I bet you if you asked everybody on the street, you know, how many primaries were there, everyone would say 50, you know, there are, there are primaries in every state. But I mean, they just literally canceled contests and made it like it was no big deal. Todd, it was it was the most frustrating thing. And again, we've never seen anything like that, where a party has has taken away their voters' right to vote in 22 states. Uh, but but it goes to this notion of why I then left the Republican Party. Uh, I I always considered the Republican Party to be a closer home to what I believe in, freedom and limited government, it became clear to me they didn't give a fuck about any ideas. I mean, look what they did at this last Republican convention back in August. They got rid of their entire Republican Party platform. It's just all about supporting their king 
And that's what the party did too. Yeah, that's crazy. So, so walk us through that. It's always good to hear. So everybody that we've had on the show that's a libertarian, right? Nobody was born a libertarian. Nobody's born that weird. So somebody comes from someplace, right? Um, so I came from the right. Kevin came from the left. Um, talk to us about, and I know you're not a libertarian it per se right now, but how you made that decision to actually finally shed the label and say, I'm going to be an independent. It happened about a week after the Iowa caucus. I, I, I did not win the Iowa caucuses. I got killed. Uh, and I, I remember a week or two after that, I got out of the presidential race. And uh, I just realized, okay, it's not going to change. This party is a cult. I do not want to belong to a cult. And the cult leaders hold on the party. And I believe Trump is a cult leader. He's not going anywhere. Like, guys, I think the Republican Party's done. I think it's done as a national party. And Trump's going to dominate the party for the next four years. So I left the party because I didn't want to belong to a cult. I, I still am what I am politically. I generally am a small L libertarian, free market, limited government guy. I, I don't have a home right now, but the Republican Party, I think, is done. Yeah, and I agree. I um, My story goes back to May 8th, 2016, when Ted Cruz basically got eliminated and dropped out. Uh, and that's when I left the party because I was like, I, I couldn't believe what was happening. You could see yeah. the writing on the wall. And um, and so I was out at that point. And um and same kind of thing. It was, you know, it didn't mean that my views changed on every issue all of a sudden. I just moved to a party that that my views lined up with better. Um, awesome. Yeah, and let me make let me let me make one point here. What 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 makes me different than a lot of the never Trumpers is I was not an original never Trumper. I voted for the guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. The same people who voted for Trump sent me to Congress. I, I, I come from the world of the Trump supporter. Uh, I still hear from thousands of them every day. I, I understood why they voted for Trump. Our political system was broken. Both political parties suck. Uh, we needed disruption. So in 2016, along comes this guy who says, I'm going to blow it up. I'm going to drain the swamp. He was going to disrupt things. I got that appeal. I understood why a lot of people voted for him. And I, and I care for these people. The problem is he's a demagogue and a con man, and he didn't mean anything he said. Yeah. Right. Another thing, kind of piggybacking yeah. off of that, that a lot of people don't realize with Trump is, you know, coming from the left, a lot of the Bernie bros, once Bernie got beat out by Hillary, yeah they went with Trump because they just wanted to disrupt the system. So he pulled yeah. a lot of votes, even from the left that a lot of people don't realize. Like he, he took over the Republican party and kind of made it cultish, like you were saying, but he also pulled a lot of those, those Bernie bros and a lot of those other people that just wanted to shake up the system. They wanted something different. Well, and, and, and Kevin, that's a great point. And when you go back to 2016, think about it. The two most popular politicians in the country were not Republicans or Democrats, Bernie and Trump. Uh, because you're right, on the left and the right, people wanted to burn our corrupt system down. That That's still a good, a good motivation. Absolutely. 
So talk to us a little bit. I think you got a new thing going right now, um, Bravery Project. Talk to us well, a little bit about this. Yeah, so, so once I left the Republican Party and I left the presidential primary, as a never Trumper, I said, I'm supporting whoever the Democratic candidate is. I don't care if it's Bernie Sanders, I don't care who it is, because again, and, and you guys may disagree with me, in my mind, authoritarianism is a greater threat to this country than even socialism. Like a guy in the White House who thinks he's above the law, that scares me more than free college for everybody. So I, I went and, and I started this thing called the Bravery Project to help give other Republicans and conservatives the courage to do what I did, to come out and say, I'm still a conservative, but I'm going to work for Biden. I'm going to help get Biden elected. To me, it made no sense. And Justin Amash, a good friend, I got elected with Justin Amash, went to Congress with him. But I was totally against Amash running for president this year because we had one goal. We had to beat Trump. He's a danger. And so the only guy who could beat Trump was the Democratic candidate. I didn't like Biden. You guys probably don't like Biden that much. But he was the only horse in town. So we, I did whatever I could do with the Bravery Project to try to help Biden win. See, so is there anything left with the Bravery Project or that was kind of a one and done for 2020? Well, it was, kind of, a, it was kind of a one and done and we helped get Republicans and conservatives to cross over. What's interesting though, is I think what we will do with it next is, I, I, I think we're living in one of these revolutionary times, I, re, I do, where like this 166 year old two-party duopoly is breaking up. So I think the whole notion of being brave and starting something new or being an independent, whatever it is, I think we'll use the Bravery Project to continue to get people to leave the two-party system. I think it's a great idea. I mean, if you look uh, even just in this last Congress, right, Justin Amash left, I think July 4th, you know, 2019, his colleague in Michigan left in December, kind of more symbolically left because yeah. he was about to get uh, out. But, but still, I mean, people at least are doing that. You see it actually a lot in the state houses where people will flip to independent or libertarian um, in between elections, you know, yeah. and, and declare themselves independent. And I think there is a appetite for it. Um, unfortunately, as you mentioned, it's usually the people who have decided not to run again which means right. short, short-lived. Right. So what we need to do is find a way to get these people to do it and then either continue to run or find another position uh, where they can serve. So. I've thought about, I've thought about, and people have asked me to go back to Congress and run as an independent. I've thought about it. I'd like to see a number of people run as independents in 2022. And, and develop a little caucus. I think that would be a good first step. Yeah. Where are you living right now? We live outside uh, Chicago, born and raised in the oh, okay. Chicago suburbs. Where, uh, but we'll, we'll probably get out of Illinois one day pretty soon. I hate the cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you got good pizza. Well, here's the thing though. If you're talking about deep dish, that's a fucking casserole. Give me... I love New York super, super duper thin pizza. I'm not a deep dish guy. 
Really? I have, uh, I've been having Luminati's delivered to me all the way up here in North Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> you are a Chicago pizza guy then, Kev. And I lived in, uh, in Western Michigan, so I would come down two-hour drive down into Chicago and get that. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, I can't remember their name, but yeah, it was yeah. <laughs> awesome pizza. Good stuff. Cool. What's next for Joe Walsh? Well, so what I'm trying to do now is uh, see if a, a an anti-Trumpism conservative can make it in the conservative talk radio show. So I've got another talk radio show. We're trying to grow it around the country. I don't know if it will work because you guys know our our media is so tribalized right now to, to succeed in talk radio in the conservative media world. You basically still have to worship Donald Trump. And I think that's going to continue. But I do think there's a growing audience of people uh, that is sick of the this political tribalism crap. So I'm, I'm going to try to grow my radio show and my podcast and appeal to people from across the spectrum. Well, I think there's definitely issues that you've touched on um, that you can appeal to people on, even if they like Trump and you don't, you know, the national debt and deficit. Uh, Republicans tend to care a lot more about that when, you know, Democrats have the presidency. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. so now it'll probably come back. I'm sure you've heard, you know, Tea Party 2.0 and whatnot. What are your thoughts on Tea Party 2.0 or Tea Party Revived? Have you heard I, uh, I, I'm, I'm bearish. I'm, I'm not optimistic. I, I'm a dark Irishman. I think that for the time being, Trumpism, which is, which is kind of this populist, nationalist, uh, 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 protectionist thing, is going to dominate the Republican Party. So I think people who believe in balanced budgets people who believe in the free market, people like me who believe in free trade, uh, we don't have a home in that Republican Party. Uh, I do believe the Republican Party is shrinking. Uh, again, I'm older than you guys in my lifetime. There will never be another Republican who wins the popular vote. I think the Republican Party is becoming a regional party. They'll be strong in red, red state America. But my God, there are a lot of libertarians principled conservatives, moderates, and independents who need a home. Uh, I think the Democratic Party is going to continue to move left. And I don't think that's where most Americans are. So um, I, I think there's an opportunity to have kind of a common sense, centrist, let's get shit done kind of a party. We'll see. Yeah. I think, I think there's definitely an opportunity there. And I think one thing that I've noticed here, so I've moved around a lot, um, but coming to Oklahoma has been really interesting to me because what I've noticed touching on your regional comment yeah. um, is it's really interesting. So in a, in a state like Oklahoma, and Kevin, you've been here longer than me, the, the politics almost seem to be shifting towards the red. So the Democratic Party is shrinking and the Republican Party is growing. And to touch on one of the things I heard you say in your in your podcast, you know, like these folks truly believe that Trump won, like they yeah. imminently believe it. Um, and and it's just interesting because then I look back at Michigan 
you know, where I was born. And I see that swinging towards blue. And we barely had any Republican or Democratic governors when I was growing up. It was almost always a Republican governor. I remember when Granholm got elected and my head yeah. almost exploded. It was yeah. like, oh my God, you know? <laughs> and, um, and, and so I do see um, this regional shift more so than a national shift. And, and you just got to wonder how that's going to play out over time. And now, of course, you know, we're looking at Georgia with, with all kinds of stuff going on there. Um, and hopefully we might not even know the result of that by the time this thing airs, but hopefully by Friday, we'll yeah. know what happens there. But, um, but yeah, you just see, I don't know, it's really interesting, the regional um, play of it. And there has been some interesting libertarian discussion about whether we should be focusing on regional. Do you see any areas in the country where independent plays better than other areas? Look, you guys, you guys probably know this better than I do. I think most Americans are till libertarian. I think most Americans generally want to live their lives and want government generally to leave them alone. I think most Americans are fiscally more conservative and socially more liberal. And don't take this wrong, guys. The, the, the Libertarian Party, if they weren't so fucking wacky, uh, the Libertarian Party could be a vehicle for a lot of voters. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, so, so I think the next stage will be people like me who are homeless now are going to be independent. And I think you're going to see an, a, a movement of independence grow, which will then evolve, I think, into a viable third party. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. And you even had like Mark Cuban coming out saying, you know, yeah. that we should just eliminate political parties altogether. I think he did that like two days ago or something. Yeah. And yeah. Kevin, you may get, you may get, look, you may get high profile celebrities. Matthew McConaughey down in Texas has been talking about maybe run for governor of Texas. He's basically pretty centrist with a libertarian flair. He doesn't want to be part of either party. Uh, so I, I do think some celebrities will add some credence to this, but I, I think I think once Trump is gone in a couple weeks and Biden is sworn in, uh, I think this next year, you're gonna see some kind of movement, an independent movement in this country politically grow. Do you think that the Republicans are going to kind of shy away and pretend like they never supported Trump after he loses? Or do you think that they're just going to double down and kind of buy more into that cult? Uh, double down, triple down, baby. Baby! Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. It would be one thing if Trump left. And this is what I would say. I would have private conversations with Republicans, Republican members of Congress over the last three years privately. And they would tell me all, hey, Joe, I know Trump sucks, but he's gonna lose in 2020. And then the Republican party can go back to what it was. And I would tell them Trump's not going anywhere. Uh, and he's not. So Kevin, that's the wild card. Donald Trump will either announce he's gonna run in 2024 or he'll, he'll keep that out there for a while. But whoever wants to succeed in the Republican party for the next four years is gonna have to hug Donald Trump 
and be really Trumpy in their politics. Guys like Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, Tom Cotton, these guys. Somebody like me, who's an anti-Trump conservative, has no home. So I don't think they have any option but to double and triple down on Trump. Yeah, and that's a very scary, um, very scary statement. But but you can easily see how it's true. I think he'll if he doesn't run, he's going to set up you know Junior or Ivanka or somebody to at least play the high profile Absolutely. role in the party. Um, and then if we want to wrap on this item, I thought you made an interesting point. I think this was the day after the election podcast, or no, sorry. It was the day after Biden um, was certified kind of by the electoral college. And you made the comment that three to six months after Trump gets sworn in, you're worried about um, continued, potentially even violence, but more yeah. importantly, the interesting thing that you talked about was, and it goes back to what I was saying about Oklahoma, is there are so many people who truly believe that he won and that are being told that every single day, um, that they're actually going to be surprised when it gets sworn in and it's going to take a while for it to hit and get more and more dangerous as time goes on. Yeah, uh, Todd, I've been a broken record on this. This scares me. And again, it's it's where I come from. So even like today, I heard today from thousands of Trump supporters and most of them, even today, still believe Donald Trump on January 20th is going to raise his right hand. Uh, people are worried about violence right now. I'm worried about violence after January 20th because the shock that these people will receive when it's Joe Biden raising his right hand is gonna to turn to anger. And I think it's gonna to turn to anger in the three to six months after Biden becomes president. And we're still gonna have Trump out there stoking the anger. I believe yeah. uh, historically, this we are living through a revolutionary period in America. I really believe that. I don't know that the country can be united anymore. I, I, I think we're going through something we haven't gone through in a long, long time. And so I worry. I think the next year or two are going to get really ugly. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And, and thinking back again, like the three of us, we're watching politics every day. We're reading every article. Um, and I'll say this lovingly because these were my parents' pr professions. But like the, the electrician out there and the, um, and the you know, caterer out there, they're not watching CNN 18 hours a day and reading everything. And all of a sudden it's January 20th and they're like, wait, you know, a week ago, I heard Trump say he was going to be president, you know, yeah. and all of a sudden, and, and I really thought that that podcast nailed it right on the head that there, even if it's only 5% of the people that voted for Trump, that's 3 million people, you know, <laughs> there's, there's 3 well, million people that wait for January 20th. And <laughs> yeah, Todd, that's a great point. So millions and millions of Trump supporters right now expect him to raise his right hand on January 20th. But I mean, an even greater number than that, uh, 80, 90% of Trump supporters believe the election was stolen. I mean, they really believe it. That's, that's 50, 60 million people. Um, this is frightening. If you believe in a representative democracy, this is frightening stuff. 
interesting. Well, Kevin, what do you got? Um, I don't have anything. I really appreciate you coming on, man. I, uh, I think it's been a good conversation. I uh, <clears throat> look forward to seeing what you're going to do in the next couple of years. I hope you do run for something. Uh, I, 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 I may, guys, let's make sure we all stay in touch. Uh, um, and, and however I can help you push and promote what you all are doing, um, you let me know. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I mean that, guys. Absolutely. And Joe, I want to talk to you offline about, um, and I don't know, you may be familiar, but about the LP, the Libertarian Mises Caucus, yes. um, which is promoting a lot of the stuff that you're talking about and growing pretty strongly inside the party. Um, and one of the things I ran for LP chair, uh, national chair, uh, two years ago, and one of my big things was professionalizing the party. Um, and to oh, some of your I, earlier I would, points, I, I would think kiss you right list. now if I could. I would kiss <laughs> you right now, John. Yes. <laughs> and I think there's ways to do that, but um, but there's also ways to recruit the right people into the party to grow in the right ways. And And to your point, there may be a huge tide of people that are open for recruitment, you know, on that side um, yeah. that share values. So I think it's an interesting time to be in touch. Todd, uh, I will, so uh, I will, I will DM you my cell phone. Let's you and I chat. Okay. Very good. Let's do that. And so, how about we finish up with you telling everybody where they can find you? <laughs> I'm such a lousy promoter. Follow, <laughs> follow me on Twitter at Walsh Freedom. Um, my podcast two or three times a week is F Silence. Go to F as in Frank, F Silence Check that out. And if you want to get two hours of Joe Walsh on the radio every day, go to GabRadioNetwork.com. That's Gab with a G, GabRadioNetwork.com. I'm on every afternoon, Monday through Friday. Check it out. And then you have a book out. Oh, as well. my timing, right? Todd, was horrible. I, I, I put a book out in February called Fuck Silence, calling Trump out for the authoritarian he was. It came out right before the pandemic hit. But the book, <laughs> the book is called F Silence. You can still get it on Amazon. That would be great. <laughs> All right. Well, Joe, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. We're going to keep this conversation going and we're definitely going to have you back if you're willing. Keep up the fight, guys, and stay in touch. Thanks. Thanks. Great. Thank you so much.